Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. This is, uh, where are we? Uh, September 20th. 2019, um, I don't know about anybody else, but the weather here in Chicago hasn't been too bad, although we have had killer humidity. I'm not real a fan of that, but uh, the temperatures, you know, they'll go up to the 80s, come down to the 60s. I'm happy with that. That's a great summer for us. Um, tonight's uh, episode, uh, well, actually, let's just jump right in. The, the special guest tonight is uh, Hilton George, and he's kind of like the I, I would probably say the the founder and brainchild between b- behind Blurred Con, and we'll have him explain exactly what that is. And uh, you know, why don't I just re- welcome to the show, Hilton? Um, hey, Hilton hey, George is it, yeah. I, I'm doing well. Oh, oh, you know, I forgot to ask you, what part of the country are you in right now? I am in uh, just south of Washington D.C. Uh, in Maryland. Okay, and and what's your weather like? Uh, it's actually uh, pretty cool down here. You know, it's uh, it's good uh, hangout weather. Oh, let me ask you something. Did uh, when the did that hurricane go by you? You know, the one that ended up in like in Canada, and did it did it bring rain and stuff like that? Did it affect your weather? I don't. I'm not sure what its path was. I just knew it wasn't anywhere near Chicago. Nah, nothing uh, has hit us uh, pretty much this whole summer. Everything has come right up the coast and blown by us, uh, blown over yeah. us. But we have not had any uh, real extreme weather. It's been it's been lawnmowing season all summer, man. <laughs> okay. Um, and are you like uh, are you a native? Are you a transplant? Have you always lived in that area? Oh no, no, I am a transplant. Uh, if you want me to claim a, a state, it's uh, North Carolina. Uh, that's where okay. all my family is. Uh, it's where I'm, uh, where I was largely raised, and it's the place where I can pass the quiz. So yeah, so yeah, that's my that's and, my town, Raleigh Durham area. Wow, and and what brought you up there to the in the D.C. area? Uh, work, uh, opportunity, uh, pretty much all of that. Uh, it was just really a, a great opportunity for. Uh, the, the field that I'm in, which is uh, education, working with students, uh, and then of course I knew a whole lot of people here. It's a great networking city, and uh, right, you know, moderate weather. You know, it's got all the all the little mass transit. Uh, it's just a really moderate uh, weather. Man, the one time, that's one time I visited up by you. Let me think. That was in the bicentennial year. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and well, I, I know that was a long time ago, and it was right before the Fourth of July. I had just recovered from having a really bad illness, and I was kind of you know touring around. I went out west to San Jose and was in Colorado. You know, I was visiting friends, trying to get myself back together because I had had you know like a brain. I, well, I, I I cooked off part of my brain, um, and so I I went out to visit um, a friend of mine. 
And, you know, we did some things. We went to Ocean City, Maryland. I got to swim in the ocean and, uh, oh, had a jellyfish sta- uh, stab me or sting me in the thigh, which made me wonder, am I going to get back home? You know, but it, it seemed pretty good, except it was very humid, very, very humid. Um, well, it's sticky out here because we're coastal. You know, we're right here next to yeah. the bay and, and the rivers and stuff like that. So when it gets sticky, it gets sticky. Yep. Yeah, I had a big ass eight inch. A- no, I had I had a short afro then, but I couldn't do a damn thing with my hair. Um, that's that's my joke about that. Well, afros are back, man. You should go back. Come on, come back home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway. Would you describe for the audience exactly what is BlurredCon? I mean, generally speaking, I know that it's a convention, but but let us know a little bit about the focus of it, who the target audience is, and um, let me ask you something. Do you have a speaker on there? Because I'm getting an echo. Yes, I do have my speakers on. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, it, yeah, a little, a little bit because we we we're getting a little echo, but it, we're cool. But but seriously, describe. I mean, we'll get into why you did the the convention, but describe who it's for, you know, and and what is your specific focus? Because a lot of people um, put together conventions, and they you know they seemingly have similar interests, but they also have very divergent interests in terms of who they want to attract and what it's focused on. Well, as you know, the word blurred is short for black nerd, and then blurred con is black nerd convention. Uh, you know, the, the convention itself structurally uh, is a showcase of blurred culture, for lack of a better term, uh, where you get to see uh, more blurreds and POC uh, who are in panels, hosting panels, who are on the guest list, uh, people who are, uh, you know, speaking about subject matter that is very close to and relevant to the blurred community. Uh, sure. So you have this 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 showcase of anyone who comes to the convention is going to see, you know, just so much brown everywhere. It's it's going to be very evident, you know, that this is a a structured convention that's similar to probably any other multi fandom con that you would find. You know, we run the gamut of all the focuses of you know, uh, anime, tabletop gaming, console gaming, cabinet gaming, music, uh, you know, manga, literature, sci-fi. Comics, uh, yeah. Comics, cosplay, you know, all of that is dancing around in different factions in, uh, within the convention. But, you know, even when the subject matter itself is not specific to the blurred community, the idea of having, you know, uh, someone who is black or brown uh, doing, uh, hosting a panel or a workshop, you know, really being there on the stage and being on the dais is really the big focus. Now it's open to everyone. You know, this is a, a open environment and it's inclusive. Uh, so you have people from all backgrounds, all races, all ethnicities, ages, regions coming to the conventions uh, and experiencing the vibe. You know, it is a distinct flavor. It is a distinct event. Uh, you know, you, you hear it in the music. You see it in the cosplay, you, you feel it, you know, in every uh, faction, in every sector of the, the event. Coming up on its fourth year in 2020, uh, it's had uh-huh. a pretty rapid growth, uh, which is atypical for 
a lot of conventions they tend to start out you know uh, uh, you know slow and get you know a good five or six years before you really get into the mid thousands and uh, we've uh, more than tripled you know uh, our core uh, attendance from uh, year one to year three and expecting more for year four. And and what is what, what is, is that that expected number? Well, if uh, form follows function, uh, we should be in the six thousand range for year four. Uh, but the way conventions go, you know, when you would blow up, you blow all the way up. You know, if you look at the history of all the big conventions, especially in this area, we're talking about the Awesome Cons, you're talking about Vodacon, Katsucon, Magfest, uh, all these big conventions that happen here in the DC metro area. They all followed a pretty traditional arc uh, and then all of a sudden they went from whatever their 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 level out number was to 10,000 12,000 so while we are expecting based on the history uh, of growth to be in the 6,000 range uh, you know we it really there's no way to tell it just depends on how many people show up now we'll have an idea long before the event of what we're looking at from hotel bookings to ticket purchases and badges but uh, you know we we can't say at this point that it'll be limited to that. It could definitely go up bigger. Wow. wow. Um, and, and so how many participants do you think you'll have programmatically? Well, that's going to be interesting. I am, I am still getting that echo, just so you know. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it might be the, the proximity of my speakers to my screen where the mic is. Is that better? Yeah, well, let's see. One, two, three, four. No, I still hear me. Are you, are you on the phone or going through your laptop? I'm going through my uh, desktop. Your desktop. Oh, and you don't have a headset, do you? I do not have a headset on. I, I could find a headset if I did. Uh, nope, that's not Um. Hmm. Well, maybe I'll just not talk so much. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually have I actually have some earbuds here somewhere. I just gotta find them. Well, you uh, know what uh, you could do if you could still hear me, just turn your speakers away from where the microphone is, so that they're not. Oh, see, I'm not hearing myself at all now, so this is good. Yeah, I have my speakers turned away. I've done that already, so maybe. Oh, it's cool. Just, so okay. We'll see. All right, so. Yeah, so how many, you know, when you think about the panelists, you think about maybe people um, vending, you know, selling, selling their wares and things like that. How many people do you think are, are probably going to be participating? Well, uh, in previous years, we have uh, roughly uh, two to three people in each vendor booth. And we have okay. uh, a vendor hall just a little over, I think, 100 or so table spaces. So, you know, wow. you look between that and the panelists, you know, we might have seven, eight hundred uh, uh, people who are participating in the convention and are not just attendees. And these are your vendors, these are your artists, panelists, uh, maybe even some, uh, uh, you know, sponsors, things like that. So it's a very, very interactive convention. It's one of the things I'm proudest of for BlurredCon is that we have had uh, so much buy-in from the community. When you look at how many people are submitting panels, uh, submitting workshops, who are uh, trying to be active uh, in performing music, from DJs to you know people who are volunteering, that'll give you a good 
you know, uh, pulse of uh, how the community is looking at your convention. And we host somewhere between 120 and 150 panels and workshops over the course of the weekend. Uh, you know, we start, it's a 24-hour round-the-clock event. We start at noon on that Friday, and we don't turn the lights off or basically pull the plug on things until 3 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday. So with the panel being around the clock in 24 hours, there's so much programming, there's so much activity. It's very, very intense and it's very, very interactive. So that number continues to grow as well, but that has always been a very, very high number of people who wanted to participate. I mean, let's be honest. Uh, I mean, I don't know how closely you follow conventions, but you know, it wasn't too long ago, maybe like five years ago, where a large convention would have more than three uh, diversity-related panels, right, uh, on their desk, sure. and it would be, you know, it, people would just lose it, like, oh my God, you know, there's a second, you know, uh, diversity panel at New York City Comic Con or San Diego Comic Con, and it would be like, whoa, wow, progress, you know. Meanwhile, well, you know, know it, as an aside, uh, um, really quick, you know, uh, J Jarvis Sheffield, the, um, uh, the the originator of BlackScienceFictionSociety.com. Um, he has put together the diversity track for Dragon, or yeah, for Dragon Con two years in a row. You know, oh, yeah. full on yeah. day, all day, all night program. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, so it's, it's getting it's big. That, and he, you know, I'll tell you what. If you talk to him, he will definitely agree with me uh, that a lot of panels that the traditional conventions uh, do not admit, accept. Uh, we were in a position, a unique position to say yes to. And so we were getting those submissions. We were actually getting submissions from people who would not have submitted otherwise or have submitted and not been accepted at various conventions. And the phenomenon that I'm seeing is that we are demonstrating a marketability in the blurred track, in the diversity programming that has really put in stark contrast for a lot of conventions for whom which this is not their foundation to say, oh, okay, you know, we can extend a little more to this because there's an actual audience for it as demonstrated by BlurredCon. You know, there's, so we're seeing some of our guests getting guest opportunities at conventions that, you know, did not normally have that type of a guest panel or, or, or guest uh, uh, lineup. Uh, so it's, uh, it's really, really doing some things and, uh, you know, it, it, hopefully we'll see it expand. You know, we're, 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 we're not trying to, to sit on it. We want everybody to eat on it. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, um, it, uh, I was just wondering uh, if you would ever have, you would ever invite like a, a Japanese science fiction writer who does a uh, Friday night podcast. Somebody like that might be interesting <laughs> to have there. First of all, first of all, sir, Japanese? Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. I've never heard that term before, which makes me sad. That's well, I I had to invent something because uh, I'll be honest with you. In high school, high school kids can be very very cruel, and no. I I do hope I don't offend anybody. Yeah, they'd either call me an Afro Jap or Niganese, and neither oh, of those yeah. really. You just don't use those in polite conversation. But uh, but anyway, it was always Blazian in I, North Carolina. 
Yeah, you know what? I just found out in Hollywood, that's what they call people who are black and Asian, um, Blasians. But you know what? I, I don't have a problem with Japanese, you know, at all. And it is unique. I haven't heard it anyplace else. So, um, you know, the big part about marketing is raising your visibility above the background noise. And coming up with something unique definitely did that for me. Um, so there sending, you go. I'm sending a shirt with Japanese on it to my Shopify. So uh, I'll cut you in on that uh, on the back end, sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And and you, but it, I mean, it does. Sound, here's what I like about about your program because I I go to several others. You know, I went to DragonCon once. I've been to WorldCon. Um, I'm I'm a repeat uh, invited uh, special guest for uh, Boscone in Boston. And what but what I like, you know, what I hear about. BlurredCon that I like is, first of all, you you guys are doing stuff around the clock. So that's good for people who may have to work during, you know, critical times, but they still have an opportunity to come there, see the vendors, get in on some of the, the panels and things like that, because it's not strictly, you know, like a, like a, an, a nine in the morning till seven or eight at night kind of thing, and then, and then, you know, all the programming is done with. So that I find very attractive. And when you talk about having, you know, 700 panelists and vendors, that's quite a mix of people. You know, that's a pretty good mix, um, again, to offer people, you know, so, there should be something for everybody with that many people offering up either perspectives, goods, services, what have you. So this, this really sounds like a pretty remarkable convention. Um, let me ask you this. Let's talk about the first one that you did, because a lot of people have no idea how much work it takes to put one of these together. Um, oh, yeah, I want to know two things. Yeah, I, I, I want to know two things. The first thing is, you know, what made you decide to do it because that takes a lot of, you know, uh, a, lot of, a lot of time, effort, energy, um, money. You know, there's all kinds of things that, that, that go into making a successful convention. And, you know, when you're sitting there, whatever you were doing, and you decided, you know what, we need to have a, a convention for black nerds in this area. Um, what, what, what was the, the origin of that idea? Well, um, I've been a, a nerd as far back as I can remember. I mean, I learned to read on comic books. Okay, as a kid with ADHD, sure. books were a little bit more difficult for me. And when I discovered comic books, I mean, I was in a whole other world. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons was my my next step into the nerd world, and I hadn't got out of elementary school. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I dabbled in the convention world even in my middle school years, even when I was too young to go to conventions in places like North Carolina at NC State. You know, you had to be a college student or an adult to go to these conventions because they were kind of like big sleepovers. And uh, we, had right. to sneak these, we had to sneak into these venues going through the sewer systems. I'm not even joking. It was something out of the boonies to get into these conventions in my middle school years. Something happened uh, when I got to high school. Uh, I was very, uh, you know, I got very isolated from the geek world. Uh, and then when I went to college, well, I went to the army and uh, I went to college and I got cool. And, you know, I kind of just, you know, <laughs> I kind of, 
you know, the, the, you know, you kind of got cool and you kind of leave your, your nerd side buried. And then after college, I became that guy who, uh, okay. went way, way, way too far at Halloween. So, uh, cosplay became, you know, something that just was my gateway back into the convention scene. Uh, so <laughs> by the time I got to like 2014, I had started going to every convention I could find. I had, uh, way too much time and disposable income for a nerd. And I was just going to cons and cosplaying and having a good time. And I remember being in Atlanta and I was looking out over, you know, it was one of the big conventions, I believe it was MomoCon. And I was just speaking to myself in my own head. Uh, and I was looking at the audience and the attendance because you can look down on the, uh, the World Congress Center from the highest tier. And I just noticed sure. that, you know, it was, it was so many, you know, black and brown people, you know, of every age, uh, that you saw every gender, gender identity, orientation, uh, you know, and, and everybody was connecting through the nerds here, you know, before they met and connected, you know, as individuals, you know, regardless of what track of life they were from, they were connected through the nerd sphere. And I was saying to myself, you know, it would be really cool if there were some conventions out there uh, that were like this, you know, these 24-hour conventions with parties and games and screenings and cosplay contests and, you know, celebrity guests and all this stuff that was focused on me, right? Sure. And I said, um, I said, well, you know, um, I would start asking around, and there were a lot of smaller conventions that had been around for a long period of time. Uh, a lot of them were a little too far out for me. I couldn't really make it. And I said, well, you know, maybe somebody would make should make one because there wasn't a 24-hour convention that had all the stuff that BlurredCon has, concerts, comedy shows, you know, you name it. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking black nerd, blurred, blurred con. I mean, it came together just that fast in my head. And okay. uh, I have a background in events production. Uh, I was a low-budget puff daddy in college. Uh, you know, I was that guy who was always doing the parties. I did everything from parties to concerts to fashion shows, you name it. So I said, oh, you know, this would be something to look into and do. So I called uh, my uh, college buddy, uh, Hassan Parrott, uh, who had a background in, in law and business and started talking about the hard knocks of putting something together and protecting it. You know, it was one of the things in the, the black community that we don't do very well often is we come up with ideas and we don't protect those ideas and then they get screwed right. up. Right. And so I was like, you know what, let's, let's talk about websites. Let's talk about, you know, incorporation. Let's talk about you know, copywriting the names and getting all the domains before we start promoting, before we come up with, you know, the, the promo and the advertising and all that. And uh, he came on board and, uh, you know, he helped front the, the, the money and brought in some of the structural stuff that I wasn't that good at. And uh, we spent about a year and a half just, just putting the pillars together, you know, just laying the foundation. And then summer of 2016, it was time to debut the promotion and uh, we put it out there and, uh, you know, the, the, the world uh, received us with open arms in a way that we didn't expect. And in our first year, uh, we, uh, we brought in uh, a little over 1,800 attendees, which for a first year convention was pretty, was pretty unheard of. So we were like really, 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 you know, excited. But to your point, man, it was a lot of work. I mean, it was, it was way more than I thought it would be. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it took a whole lot of, everything, money, time, energy, jobs were lost, you know, friendships died on the vine, you know, Christmases oh, and holidays no. were cut short. 
You know, I mean, the, the convention doesn't care. You know, it needs what it needs when it needs it. It needs it from you and it needs it now because, you know, that's just how it works. It's like having a kid, you know. The kid doesn't care what you got planned for dinner tonight. You, you got to come wipe this diaper. You got to do it, you know. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, but it was a labor of love. We put together a team, uh, you know, everybody who was doing everything from volunteer coordination to operations to graphic design to programming. Uh, you know, just just really brought on this really great A team of, of uh, you know, no limit soldiers. We talent. Talent. Sounds uh, like you had great all, talent. Yeah. Guys. There was only a couple of us who had any, you know, uh, convention uh, running experience. Uh, so okay. we really were going in kind of kind of, you know, open eyes in a dark room. Uh, but we, we managed to pull it out in that first year. Wow. See, we, you know, when I, when I was in high school. Uh, quiet as it's held. I was kind of nerdy. You know, I was into audio, like uh, stereo stuff. Um, I liked music. Uh, you know, all of my my other pursuits were kind of like, they were singular. Like I played tennis, you know, for, for school and stuff like that. And then, you know, going to college, oh, big, 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 big audio, and then got into radio. Um, and then, I don't. You're probably you're not old enough, but there was this company called Heathkit, and Heathkit made kits of electronic. I got that echo again. Heathkit made electronic kits, and I started making amplifiers for bands and and other equipment like that, and you know, have soldering iron will travel. And if I were that age right now, your convention is right up the alley. You know. Hmm. Now, what's, well, what's the good. age range that you see at the convention? I know you said it's a bit open to everybody. Do you have parents bringing their kids? And, you know, I, I know the rest of the people who would show up. You know, you've got comic aficionados. You've got all kinds of people all the way up to maybe even my age. But um, what, what's the participation of the younger kids and are parents bringing them in and exposing them to, to you know, all of the cool things that you guys are presenting? Uh, what, what do you see as you sit back and watch as the crowd goes by? Well, it was very important to me that kids be involved. Uh, I, I only see myself at age 11, you know, not knowing okay. that people like me who look like me were in the nerd sphere. You know, that we were cosplayers sure. and, and writers and comic book creators and, you know, you name it. Uh, so we uh, we made it built in that uh, kids 12 and under got in free. So we almost stacked the deck to make sure that that kids would be there and be able to enjoy and families would be able to enjoy. Because sometimes, you know, it's not the parents that are nerds. They just know they're raising a nerd. And uh, so they, they try to accommodate uh, the, their, the nerd in their house uh, to the best of their ability uh, and say, well, look, you know, we're, we're raising a, this, this young 15-year-old boy is, is a nerd and, and you know, he loves Star Wars or, or she loves, you know, Harry Potter or what have you. We, we want to come and experience this with her. It's a way for us to bond. So, yes, uh, you know, we had somewhere in the neighborhood of seven or 800 kids 12 and under attend this year. Um, oh, man. You know, and they had to all be accompanied by an adult. Uh, so, you know, that's at least one parent or, or, or reasonably older brother or sister 
that came. A lot of groups are coming. Uh, you know, there's a you know, write up. We just got blessed enough to get written up uh, uh, in the route. And, uh, you know, the writer uh, actually brought a group of young men that he mentors uh, to the convention. It might have been seven or so. Uh, so we got, you know, high school age, college age, you know, middle school, elementary school. Uh, so it's important that they that they get in and they get ingrained in this because there's a lot that goes into this. I believe that and I'm going to wax philosophical for a second. I believe that that geek is the last religion. Uh, it's the last ism that we have left that has any chance of moving the ball forward. Uh, there's. You know, there's no political party that's going to pop up and, and revolutionize the way politics operates in this country. Uh, you know, we've kind of set where we are with the religions of the world. You know, Scientology had a little window there, then it got weird, and we we're like, oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> so there's, there really is this one last bastion that is not completely corporatized, although it's getting there, uh, where kids are making the, the, the connection between their 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 social uh, uh, proclivities and things like education and STEM creation and creativity, uh, trying to let these kids know that you know reading and you know fantasizing and uh, you know imagining things and a lot of these go into engineering and software design and web development and and art the whole STEAM thing, you know if you go to a robotics competition it's high school and middle school. Uh, uh, age com com combatants going in there, you know, y it looks just like a convention. They're cosplaying, you know, they're dressing up, they're, they've got themes, they're building robots. This is the audience and we are providing, I think in part, a cultural counterpart to their intellectual pursuits. And whatever we do with that window while they're here, you know, get them in a room with someone who is doing something that they didn't know they could do or you know, get them in a room with somebody who can encourage them to find their own lane or or double down on the thing that they're trying to do. You know, there's a lot of kids who are not comfortable being, sure. you know, so we got to make sure that those kids get that exposure. Um, you know, oh man, I just thought of something and of course it, it went because I'm, I'm so busy listening to you, but to your point about steam stem and the salvation of this world. I mean, there there were millions and a huge number of kids, a percentage of kids in the millions who uh, did the climate, the worldwide climate strike today. You know, and, and this is being led, at least one of the visible spokespersons for this is a, a girl in her teens, you know, and I forget her What's name, I feel, I feel real bad. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up. But but you're right about um, it, you're you're right about the salvation. I, I will tell you this: I know so many young people who have just think that that the adults are played out. They have ruined everything. They've turned everything into some sort of you know monetary um, you know have their, everything has to have a great monetary value for it to be important, and nothing else is important. You've got you know, this whiz whacker in the White House who is so racist and, and such an idiot, you know, his, his main goal is to just undo the legacy of President Obama, in, especially in terms of protecting our air, protecting our water, inspecting our food and things like that. And, and it's no kidding 
you know, it's it's no wonder kids are, especially the nerds, are really gearing up to try to make things happen because I don't think it's going to happen without them. You know, the, the dumbing down of America, the ubiquity of the dumbing down of America that Nixon started in 72 has has really borne fruit. Otherwise, this nut job wouldn't be sitting in the White House. So, yeah, you, you have to, you definitely want to, at least in, 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 to my way of thinking, I think you definitely want to cultivate the interests and give credence to the, the, the things that are important to the younger people out there because, you know, they, they're the ones who are going to be, be left behind, you know, when the rest of us are dust or, you know, die from bad air or eat a bad piece of pork or, you know, whatever else is going to happen. Uh, oh, just drink bad water. I mean, look at these people in Flint, Michigan. How long have they had that lead, lead water since, I, I think, like four, five, six years now? That's ridiculous. So, yeah, I think that, that for you to, to specifically cater to that mentality, is that, that's, that's a game changer, changer and a game winner. Um, are you seeing the kinds of results that give you, you know, a good feeling about what, what you could be fostering for the future? I mean, do you get to talk to the kids? Do you, you know, are your panel discussions forward-looking and things like that? I assume that they are because you seem very aware. Um, what, what do you see in terms of maybe outcomes or, you know, people's thoughts as they participate and maybe as they leave? You know, you know once they're out of there, what do you think they take along with them? Well, it's it's kind of hard to tell within the, the the scope of the convention because it's seventy two hours and it's a, just a roller coaster. Well, of ride. course, yeah. But yeah. I can, you know, I I I actually work in a field that, that blesses me with the ability to work with young people, uh, usually high school age, uh, you know, and uh, have a history, you know, in this area of working with uh, robotics programs and STEM outreach programs. Uh, you know, all over the D.C. metropolitan area. And just recently, I was invited to come and speak to a group of high school kids uh, who had a brand new nerd group. And the nerd group, okay. you know, was, uh, it was about maybe 25, 30 kids. And it was me and uh, uh, Mackie Roll uh, from Mackie Roll's Chop Shop, uh, just, just, a, just a pillar of the uh, blurred cosplay uh, community. Uh, we sat down, we did a presentation, and we talked with these kids. And it was funny because we are we are adults, you know. And as adults, we travel around, you know, the region. We travel around the country, and we see the full scope of the the geek community, of the blurred community, of the nerd community, and we have a sense of where we are. Where does this culture exist in the day to day lives? Because we're adults, we know oh, that person's wearing a suit to work, but I know as soon as he or she gets home, they're throwing on a Naruto wig and they're going to play video games or I'm going to see them at a con. <laughs> we're, like, we're like Jedi. We can sense each other when we walk into a room. You know, it's weird. Uh, kids don't have that yet. You know, kids are naturally, you know, self-isolating if they're not completely embraced uh, or they do not see themselves prominently reflected in their environment. And, you know, so many of these folks that we were talking to were 14, 15, 16 years old. And it was amazing to, to get that perspective that they did not have 
the 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 sense that there that they were there was a community that they were a part of. They thought they were the only nerds in the world, and that they, and and talking to them and them seeing us as adults talking to them about anime and video games and comic books and cosplay, you just watch their eyes turn into dinner plates. And uh, I I had the pleasure of of seeing three or four of these young people come to the convention on their own on the uh, the weekend of the after the spring of talking to them and they were coming up to me like oh hey mr george it's me remember from you know third good marshall high school or the nerd group and i was like oh my god like hey how are you doing and like yeah this really inspired me and da, da, da. so they'll tell you you know where where you made the change kids are pretty raw they'll let you know this thing that you said sure. at the time in this place is where I felt a change, and I've been kind of moving along that that track ever since. Uh, so we're seeing that now. The results side of this, which is really interesting, uh, I got invited to to speak to a group uh, that was at Prince George's Community College. Now this is a nerd club that is doing an on-campus convention for its second year, and they wanted me to come in and. Kind of give them a little bit of advice, you know, a little part-time advising, I guess you would call it. And they call themselves the multiverse. There's like 50 of these guys. Uh, and they're mostly, uh, if not all, black nerds of every stripe. You know, I mean, the cosplayers, musicians, the co comic book heads, you know, they were all there. And just, you know, just being able to see that these young people in their 18, 19, 20-year-olds, right, were creating their own convention space at their community college that they wanted to have, you know, perpetuate itself, that they could leave it to the, the officers from the previous year and it would continue to grow and continue to go even as they graduate on. Having that kind of vision at a time before you even get your degree is just like, okay, this this landscape is evolving. You know, they're the, the nerds are coming out of the closet, to the forefront, they're wearing the geek on their sleeve. And we've got to do something with this wave, you know, before it crashes, right? You know, we got to get ahead of it. We got to start surfing. We got to direct it. You know, we got to make some rules. You know, we got to create some venues. We have to build and fortify some communities so that when this next generation of kids come up into a world that's frankly going to get bought out by Disney in the next 10 years, let's be honest, right? It's, they're going to own everything. <laughs> and what are we going to do that's going to lay down the rules? And, you know, what is going to be our stance on? you know, racism and homophobia and transphobia and bullying and, you know, education and, and communication and intersocial, you know, communication and relationships, you know, what are we going to write into the CMET before it drives? And talking with young people, both in the high school age and the college age, who are reflecting off of what they see, at least in some part, at BlurredCon is probably the biggest indicator that, you know, we're at least headed, at least pointed in the right direction when it comes to inspiring and connecting young people to their own nerdiness. Well, it also sounds like, you know, when you when you look at the nerdscape now, that it's far less isolating than it was in previous generations. Hmm. Do you oh, get yeah. a sense of that too? Oh, absolutely. Listen, um, in 15 years, the next, that generation, yeah comes after this one, like the kids that are being born like five years ago up to today, the word nerd is not going to mean anything. To them. You know, that it's not, you know, the things that isolated us from the cool kids 
is not going to be the thing that isolates them. You know, watching anime and reading comic books and cosplaying and watching, you know, animated TV shows and, you know, Marvel comics and playing role-playing games and, and listening to nerd music and all that stuff is not going to be weird to this generation that's coming up. You know, so there's that the word nerd is is slowly changing even under our feet. We're standing on shifting ground here. You know, and that's what that's part of that crystallization that I'm talking about. You know, our old, we, if you were born in 1980, you are brought right. into a world where six iterations of Revenge of the Nerds have have were playing out. You know, movie sure. franchise is built on on the founding principle of nerd torture and isolation, <laughs> right? Hit hit movie franchise, right? <laughs> uh, where you know we were lampooned and even within the context of humanizing nerds, they were dehumanizing nerds, right? And being a black nerd, right. was like a double, that was a double X, right? You know, because you really didn't see anybody. Before Urkel and Carlton, there, there weren't really any black nerds out there that you could see as glaring examples of who you might be or who, how you were seen. And even, they weren't even 100% positive. You know, they were, they were kind of cartoonish, right? Um, so, now it's cool. All the stuff that we used to get picked on about, everything that we used to get weirded out about or that girls wouldn't talk to you, didn't get a date to the prom, you know, all that stuff is now cool. You know, if I right. wore a Dragon Ball t-shirt <clears throat> in high school, I would have to run home every day. <laughs> you know, it would be like <laughs> the closing credits of the Benny Hill show every day after school, running home, trying not to get beat up. Because like, oh, you're watching that 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 Japanese animation stuff. They didn't call it anime; they called it Japanimation back then, you know. Uh, and the three shows that came out <laughs> that you watched really might have made you weird. But that's going to be gone, you know. The, 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 all this weird, it's not going to be weird. This is all going to be normal. It's all going to be mainstream, you know. And yeah. It's going to be cool. Kids want to do, and you can see it happening now. Wow. You know. Okay. So to that. You know, to to kind of like where where we've been talking now. Um, let's say let's say you keep up with with uh, doing the convention, and it just does keep growing. Do you have a growth path? Do you have new? You know, do you have a a, a plan for expanding the scope or better meeting the needs of? the blurred community i mean how are you looking toward the future and i and i do and believe me i do understand that a lot of times about all you can concentrate on is the next one coming up because they are very very labor intensive but it's you know the way you started it you said okay there's a need for this there's a group of these people that we can serve this is how we're going to do it and and you seem tapped into the changes that are happening to our culture so you know what what do you have on tap or what are you thinking about in terms of feeding feeding those changes to the culture you know down the line well interestingly enough uh as popular as we have become to whatever degree you'd like to say that and the growth that we're going to have there is a ceiling i think there is a watermark for the black nerd community within the larger geek sphere i'm saying that there are only so many nerds of color, black nerds in the con space that we can reach and attract and bring every year to a convention. That being said, from a strictly marketing and 
promotional perspective, uh, from a strategic perspective, the next step is to bring more black nerds into the convention space. So if you think about how many black nerds out there do not participate in conventions, but are very active in their nerd space, who read comic books, who watch anime, who play video games, all within the privacy of their own home and online, but don't go to conventions, have not you know, kind of made that hump or made that leap, that is the market that I see as the expansion market. Let me explain. So we talk about all the things that if you, if you talk to black cosplayers, for instance, and they talk about how marginalized they feel when they wear their cosplays out in you know, uh, the general geek space. You know, you, oh, you're the black Superman or uh, Sailor Moon's not black. Well, you can't wear that and da 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 da. You know, that, that sense of you're not, you know, supposed to be here. You know, if you think about how someone who's in the space feels uh, uh, about that experience, imagine how many people see that experience from the outside and never come in. So now you have a table set up at a Nesby conference. You know, you have a partnership with First Robotics or Vex Robotics, or you, you go to the BEA conference, uh, the Black Engineer of the Year Award, or you go to the, uh, the Anime Club or the Video Gaming Club or the Role Playing Club or the LARP Club at your local college. You find those blurs that have not ventured into the convention space. And that is where the first mission is. You know, yes, we serve the nerds that are here, but we also want to reach the nerds that have not yet been invited in or for whatever reason have stayed on the sidelines and are not in the pool. I think that there are an infinite number from a convention running perspective, population perspective of black nerds who are on the fence, uh, who are outside of the community and the convention world and would like to come in. Because so many of them that we are meeting uh, at the convention will say, this was my first con. And these are adults who have a history in you know, their fandom, who've never been to a convention before. And it's for that exact right. reason. Now for the convention itself, uh, <clears throat> as I presented to the Crystal City bid and the round table, economic round table, uh, was to become the Dragon Con of the North. I don't know if you're familiar with Dragon Con, but Dragon Con oh, yeah. in, you know, it takes over all of Northeast Atlanta. You know, it's got like seven hotels and venues for that handle everything. You have a whole hotel for registration, you got a whole venue for you know uh, vendors and there's a whole venue for video games you know we want to eventually get if not to that size that structure and crystal city is and has been more than welcome welcoming to the idea of a convention that you know once it outgrows the hyatt at crystal city we can go across the street to the courtyard marriott and when we fill up the courtyard marriott we can go across the other street to the Renaissance and then go to the residence inn and then do some outdoor spaces and things like that so that you have this complex of events happening in multiple venues over the course of the weekend uh, where we can expand. And, you know, Crystal City is not a residential place. It's mostly corporate and government. So on the weekends, it's pretty quiet. So we can, we can do a little bit more with it than we can in most other places in the D.C. area. And uh, that's how we will expand beyond the venue, because you may not know this, but the Hyatt Crystal City has given, uh, I don't want to say birth, but they've definitely hosted uh, in their formative years some of what are now the biggest conventions in our area. KatsuCon did a run 
at the Hyatt Crystal City, Otakon, MAGFest, uh, Anime USA. Uh, they all came through the Hyatt Crystal City at one point and then outgrew the Hyatt Crystal City and decided to go to a larger singular venue. Our goal is not wow. to leave expand and eventually have ourselves be the uh, Dragon Con of the North. <laughs> You're, yeah, you're going to increase your footprint. Well, I mean, Dragon Con draws about an average of 80,000 people, you know, each time. They've got the parade, which closes down the downtown streets. Um, mm-hmm. Atlanta is a little bit more fortunate because, you know, um, all along the second floor, all of those um, hotels are connected, you know, above ground. So, and, and uh, I'll tell you, when I went down there, that was I, I now understand why they call it Hot Lana, because that's uh, that's a tough time of year where they do it every year at uh, Labor Day. Was this Labor your Day weekend? This past year. I'm sorry. Was this your first time going this past year? I went. Yeah, I went last year. I was invited last year. I wasn't invited this year, and I had stuff to do and. That's a whole big thing that I don't want to get into, but yeah, I, I, I well, I, I was down there and I was, um, I was moderating several of the uh, panel discussions in the diversity track, and I was also sitting in on other panels um, because I'm, I'm fortunate enough that I, I do different things and handle, yeah, and, and I handle it well. You know, I, I have a good public persona, and I, you know. It, and it's fun for me. I think the best part for me, and I know this is selfish, but the best part for me is I get to interview people like you, and then I go to some of these conventions, and bam, people walk up to me who I've never seen because, you know, yeah, if I remember them, I only remember them from that little picture from Jarvis's uh, uh, graphic blurb for, blurb for their, their, their appearance on the show. But I, I meet people who I've interviewed. And I never would have met otherwise. You know, if I had I not had this show, I mean, think about that. I have eight years of interviews of black creatives in science fiction, fantasy, and horror, and and I've I've met a lot of people on the air who I've never met face to face. Well, these 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 conventions are such a cool place because I get to run into these people or people who I've met online you know, in different forums on or different pay, groups on uh, social media. And I get to run into those people, and that's, that's a pure delight for me. Um, and I do, I do like the intellectual stimulation of the, the panel discussions and things like that. I don't know how good I would be at what you do because I know how much time it takes. I know how, how all-consuming your attention has to be. And... I, I don't know if I would – I don't think I would want to give up the freedom I have to interact with people to to do what you do because it's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary amount of work that goes into creating, you know, a convention. Most people, they, they think, oh, yeah, somebody got, got this place and they fixed it up and, oh, there's some people selling stuff over here and, oh, they got their meeting over here. But, it, you know, that, that's about the extent of the thinking that they do. But think about you. You have to schedule stuff. You have to, you have to, have, uh, you have, to have revenue in advance of the, the event. I mean, it's, it's huge. And I have nothing but admiration for anybody 
who does this and the fact that you do it and that you're still excited about doing it and you have big plans like expanding the footprint you do, I think that's pretty extraordinary. Uh, you should be very proud of yourself and, and people should pay attention to the things that you talk about and the things that you find important because they are important in the blurred, you know, scape. You know, and, and not even just for the, you know, the black nerds, but just thinking about what's going to be important in our society in the future. You know, where, where are our people, where are our young people going to have to concentrate their efforts to try to make this a better world? Dude, it's big. <laughs> do you ever sit down? Do you ever sit down and just go, damn, that's big, you know? It is huge, uh, and I and I gotta stop and say, uh, you know, there is no way that I could do this alone. I was blessed uh, very early on uh, to to get wind of a a conference for convention runners that was being held out in L.A. And uh, there's a whole community of con runners uh, that share resources, and you know, they they live on this side of the curtain. You know, we. We are the behind the scenes people, you know, and, uh, you know, I got to meet a lot of them and got to take in a lot of really great advice. And I think a lot of the success that people see with BlurredCon is because we had this opportunity uh, early on, uh, it's called Project Anime, uh, to sit down. You know, I, I, I stood up in uh, the little intro section, there's about 150 con runners, and this was at LA right before uh, Anime Expo, maybe like three, four days before Anime Expo which is a great gathering mechanism for people who run anime conventions. And I stood up and introduced myself and I said, hi, my name is Hilton and I'm the convention runner for a convention that's not, that hasn't happened yet. And I'm here to get information on how to better run this convention and promote it and all that. And I'm, you know, I'm all ears and, you know, people just were so generous with their time and their advice and their experience. You know, people who've been in the con running world for 10, 20, 30 years, you know, giving me little nuggets of information and, and structures and things like that. And we were able to avoid a lot of the potholes that uh, that scuttle a lot of conventions in their first and second year. Uh, you know, the team that we have, they, they do so much of the work. Uh, you know, yes, do I have to preside over, you know, I'm like a conductor, Leopold, Leopold, you know, I'm, I, I, I stand it, but I don't play all the instruments, you know, and without a team of people that are that are active in their sector, everything from registration to design to merchandise, you know, everybody being excited about the convention and excited about volunteering their time and their energy uh, uh, and you know their their bodies, you know, to to make something like this happen, it just simply wouldn't happen. Uh, so the team really is the key to the success of the convention and how it's run. You know, people came out of year one. Uh, and the feedback panel, they were, they were like, I missed last year. This was the first year we had it. And like, people, I'm sorry, I missed last year's convention. This is my first time here. We're like, it was our first time too. They're like, what? It's the first year con? Because it was run in a way that seemed more advanced than the first year con. Yes, we had a lot of stuff we had to fix and a lot of stuff we had sure. to grow. But, you know, we were a little bit ahead of where the curve was for first year conventions. But, uh, yeah, it is it is a sacrifice because I'm a, I'm a nerd who loves cons. Uh, and I also love to cosplay and people often ask me like, Hey, you going to get back into cosplay? And I was like, I, I think I'm gonna, but something con runner related usually comes up that prevents me from being able to put on a Deadpool mask or, 
or throw on a Mortal Kombat cosplay because I got to actually talk business to somebody, you know, from a hotel or, or you know, a newspaper or something like that. Uh, and that's that can be kind of awkward, as you can imagine. So I have to wear my civvies and show up where you can see my face and you know, special effects flying off of me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the convention running world is 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 uh, it's a family. Uh, you know, the con world is a family. You talk about the fact that you met people that you only got to see either online or in the byline for, you know, a, a, you know, a panel uh, announcement. You know, this is because the, this is what this is why conventions are important. So much of what we're doing now as a generation, uh, as a population, let me say it that way, is virtual. We're interacting virtually more and more and less inner interaction happening personally you know we have face to face family. we have relationships that are existing completely online we're facetiming we're phone calling we're texting you know we're we're posting on people's walls and commenting and conventions are for the nerds group yeah it might be the only time that, that these folks actually get a chance to be themselves and and get into their nerd uh, uh, community the way that they like so I think there'll always be a place for conventions, although I think that uh, there is a bit of market saturation on the way. Not quite there yet, uh, but we have to stay on the edge. You have to stay on the cutting edge of, of what's happening out there and make an environment where people want to come and hang and enjoy one another and create that framework that creates a spirit that makes people want to come back. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking about that. You know, I, I, I'm a writer. I spend an awful lot of time in front of a keyboard, and um, you know sometimes getting out to these conventions makes me put some pants on. So that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> well, I, you, you know, I mean, you, I, I make a joke about it, but no, because then, I mean, that, I went to Dragon Con and I met uh, four authors. I'm not going to give names who I sat down and spent some serious time at Dragon Con with them talking about the art of writing and, and, and aspects of publishing because a lot of people fall into a lot of the traps. Like right now, self-publishing is big. There are literally probably hundreds of companies out there who are exploiting you know, the, the, the desperation of new authors to get published and, and get seen and, and, and what they're doing is they're creating marketing that makes these, these authors say, oh man, if I just spend this, and this isn't even a ridiculous amount, this is, I've seen this, $6,000, if I spend this $9,000, if I spend this $10,000, I can have a bestseller. That's what they're promising me. They're going to do that marketing. They're going to really be out there pitching for me. And really, you know, these companies are out there, oh, man, you know, they're, they're exploiting the fact that authors, and excuse me, authors for saying so, but if you have an ounce of honesty, you'll agree with me. They're exploiting the fact that authors are needy little trolls who, who you know, they all want the same thing. They want their visibility raised above the background noise. So these conventions, they really provide a good, you know, to what you said, a good face-to-face -face opportunity to see people in your same space, see people who have an affinity for what you have an affinity for, and, and not everybody's experiences are the same so people can learn from each other. 
And I, I have to give, uh, take my hat off to Jarvis for getting me to go to my first convention. Because to me, you know, the way people describe conventions, oh, it's about a bunch of authors sitting at tables, you know, trying to wrestle people in the aisle to buy their books. And I really thought that. And, you know, for me, I started out, I had a bunch of books in, in my car, and, you know, I, I try to, you know, when I went someplace, I described, well, I'm an author, do you want a book? I got them in the car, blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, the desperation to, for validation is very, very human. And it's, it's I, I honestly think that if it wasn't for getting out and getting to some of these conventions, I would not be as successful an author. I certainly wouldn't be as good at doing this job, you know, doing a show like this, um, without those experiences and without meeting those people. Like you and I are destined to meet. We're going to run into each other someday, you know, and, and that's, that's going to be cool because we've spoken you know, we, we've conversed, we know a little bit about each other now, and, you know, you're sitting all, all the way out there where I have not been because I left, I left Washington, D.C. just before the 4th of July in, in uh, the bicentennial because I thought, well, if, if the crap's going to hit the fan, they're going to blow up Washington, D.C., 4th of July. So I left a few days before. But, you know, it's it sounds like a great place to come because it's a, a group of people and an area of the country I've never visited. So now I'm intrigued, and I definitely am thinking about getting out there 2020 because I'm going to have a lot more time and a lot more money to do that next year. So thank you for, I mean, for doing that. Oh, and for those of you who just tuned in, we're talking to Hilton George, and you, you know the the coolest thing about him, you know, there's a lot of cool things about him. He does cosplay. Well, when he has time, he hasn't had time, but he's also the um, founder and CEO of BlurredCon, Black NerdCon, in the uh, Washington, D.C. area. Where are you located? Which, I mean, is it, are you in a suburb or in you, are you in D.C. proper? Uh-oh, did I lose you? Can everybody can everybody hear me? You guys in the chat room? Hilton? Are you there? Well, maybe he can recycle or restart restart the uh, uh, refresh his browser. That may help. So anyway, yeah, the the cool thing, like, oh, I was talking about Jarvis getting me out. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I'm not sitting anywhere on a table selling my books to people walking by. And um, uh, he set me up to be, um, actually, to he helped with uh, Christina Taylor Butler to moderate po uh, some panel discussions at Worldcon in Kansas City, another hot place. I don't know why I keep going to all these hot-ass, excuse me, warm places. Um, but 
when I got there and I started meeting people and I was pan, uh, doing those panel discussions and things like that, it changed my entire perspective about um, participating in conventions. And then when I started meeting, you know, more and more people, I see Hilton's at least back there. Let's hope he can get his audio working. Are you there? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So well, let me finish this anecdote for the people who are listening. Um, so when I when I started getting involved, it really made a difference in me as a writer. It made a difference in understanding the the the, the create space of being an author. And um, I think conventions are a very very worthy a worthy uh, time and space expenditure that people can do, especially if they are creatives of any kind. Um, let me ask you this. You said, you, way, way in the beginning, you said that you were interested in the cos, you, you did, you're a cosplayer and, and a nerd. Um, what kind of, uh, what, you know, did you have any specific costumes or, or, you know, a genre that you were interested in? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, my, my video game uh, world centered around uh, Mortal Kombat for the longest time. Okay. So I, I had to, I think my, my first cosplay that I created was Sub-Zero. But because I'm, I'm a, you know, I kind of have like a tech nerd bend. Uh, yeah. I put together a lot of lights and sound effects and things like that. And if you look through the archive of my of my uh, my page, you'll see <laughs> you'll see it and go, oh, okay, he did the glowing eyes. He had a you know a, a you know Arduino style you know uh, ver verbal you know voice changer and the mask. Uh, I went from that to do uh, Lord Raiden, uh, who was one of my favorite cosplays because I was able to incorporate almost every aspect of my my hack abilities in uh, retro. <laughs> tech people are like oh did you create this tech i was like no i literally snatched it out of something else and repurposed it but you know if you weren't you know mad scientists like me you probably wouldn't even think about it. So i'm like a mechanic i don't build cars but i you know i trick them out uh and then i did deadpool which was my favorite cosplay of all time because i'm hilarious and uh <laughs> I, I love Doing, I love doing Deadpool. I don't get much. I don't get as much opportunity to do Deadpool as I used to. Uh, the costume is is falling apart, and I have to replace it. And it's a unique. I did it before the movie, uh, so there was no canon. You know, there was no. You know, Deadpool had nothing but in the comic books to go by, which was great because you had all these different iterations of him over the years in the comics. So you had free range to do whatever you wanted to do with Deadpool. But since right. the movie. Everything is kind of canonized to the Ryan Reynolds, you know, movie version. Uh, so, you know, you're you're either gonna do that version or you're gonna, you know, look a little weird. I still do the weird ones, but uh, those are my my main, you know, my main cosplays uh, that I was into. And they were a lot of work. You know, I didn't have any closet cosplays. I didn't have anything I could just throw in a knapsack and then go toss on. You know, everything really took you know, a lot of time to get into. And so and there was a lot of equipment uh, needed help. Uh, so I didn't, uh, so I was not, I'm not a casual cosplayer. You know, if I'm going to cosplay Deadpool, I got a, I got a suitcase the size of a small coffin that I got to, I got to take to Delta <laughs> Airlines. 
you know, go over the weight limit uh, because it's going to be a, you know, just a pain in the ass if I don't. Uh, but I miss it, you know, and so it's one of the sacrifices, you know, it's like I said, you know, you, you'd like to do it, but people know it's me. So, you know, you kind of morph from, oh, that guy that does that killer cosplay to, oh, that's the guy that does those, does the conventions. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a weird promotion. You know what it's like? It's like, uh, it's like being in middle school and you, you get a genie and you get to make a wish and you wish to be the most popular, well-known and powerful person in your school. And then you become the principal. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, it's like as a con runner in the, in the, in the cosplay community, it's kind of like you're a different species now, you know, it's kind of like, oh, okay. You're, you're, you got, I can see you're wearing like a, a shirt with a, a jacket with a lapel you know, you just came from a meeting, but you're hanging out with us, you know, in the con space, but you're looking like somebody's insurance salesman, you know. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know it's, it's this weird thing, you know, but it's it's part of it's part of the, you know, of that transition. And, uh, yeah. you know, you got to do it. <laughs> I like the fact that you do actually community outreach and you've done some stuff with kids because, um you know, one of the things that you can't be short-sighted about in in the the nerd space, the blurred space, the science fiction space, fantasy horror, is that you know you you have to be cognizant of the fact that you have to help breed a new generation of consumers of your you know whatever it is you do for you it's the convention for me it's you know books stories things like that and and you know you you want to continue doing that you're you're actually like you said you're in a great space um because of the the direction our culture is taking i mean when you look at entertainment today um science fiction fantasy horror all of that is, especially science fiction, is coming to the fore because people are seeing, I think they're looking, they want us to be entertained by a view of the future that's either good, bad, or whatever, or see what someone else's view of the future has to offer in like a movie. I, I think what Ad Astra came out yesterday, I'm not sure what the, you know, how many people went to see it, but there was certainly a, a lot of hype about it, and it wasn't just because Brad Pitt was in it, but because it was, you know, it, it's it's been reviewed as a great film. Um, so, you know, you you're already in that space, habiting, you know, habiting that space, and you're reaching out to kids. I I like that. Um, do you have any anything specific that you're thinking about doing to try to uh, get get more younger people involved, or draw them in, or you know, uh, hook them on on what you've got to offer. Um, anything along those lines? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the 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 real challenge uh, to the convention experience for a lot of young people is money and transportation. Um, you know, they, sure. You know, even us as one of the the least expensive full weekend conventions on most people's calendar. You know, sixty bucks. For a full weekend badge is, is almost unheard of uh, in the, the the convention space. Uh, you know, 
kids being able to come and, and participate. And, you know, basically, if you're under the age of 18, you know, you kind of have to you know, not be escorted, but, you know, you're probably relying on a parent for transportation and money and things like that. So what we're going to try to do, and uh, this, is, this is not like next year type of future, this is like two or three years in the future, uh, is to uh, actually create some nerd spaces or nerd events in the high school slash middle school spaces. Now we might piggyback off of existing events like robotics competitions, hackathons, uh, you know, even stuff on the academic calendar, but bringing that cultural side to the, the academically nerd space is going to be the connected tissue for kids in school. In school is where you are going to be able to have the biggest impact. And it's also, it's like, um, you know, they talk about the spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. You know, kids are, are, you know, they're in school all day, every day. They're in learning mode. And another adult talking to them about college or talking to them about careers or talking to them about life, you know, you're only going to get so much rope. But if I roll in there with a, with a rack of video games and a video game developer talking about the software behind, you know, creating uh, your own video game, well, now I've hit the culture, I've hit the excitement button, I've hit all the play instincts, and all the learning will happen. Uh, so it's going to be that kind of a push. You know, we, we get asked a lot, like, oh, are you going to bring BlurredCon to my city? You know, and it's like, that's not, that's not how BlurredCon works. <laughs> you know, right. Like, you know, right. We don't move around. We can't do it that way. Uh, but uh, what we will be doing, and we've, we've kind of started talking about how, is trying to bring little pockets of blurred con into existing spaces. Now, let me explain. Uh, organically, what has happened with blurred con? And I said this to the audience during our closing ceremonies. It's on YouTube. You can see it uh, for 2019. Is that people are taking the blurred con community experience and they are replicating it at other conventions. So what I mean is mm -hmm. that. Now, if you go to, uh, I'm just thinking of a general comic, New York City Comic Con, right? Uh, there's going to be some type of a blurred meetup or POC meetup. Now, these were happening already, but what's happening now is that they're expanding and they're becoming more diverse. So it's not just a photo shoot. It's a, a meetup and, you know, there's people going to be talking or it's a set of panels or a set of events happening offsite. You know, and these are not things we're responsible for and I'm not claiming credit for it. I'm saying that what BlurredCon, if anything, has done is crystallized a community. So we talk, some, you know, some conventions talk about attendees and fans and stuff like that. We're not building a following. We're building a community. These are people who take with them when they leave BlurredCon the connections that they made at the convention. And they keep in communication with one another and they stay active with one another. If you look at the BlurredCon group, if you look at the BlurredCon page, if you look at the BlurredCon social media, there's a lot of interaction happening, you know, with people just sharing the stuff that's going on in their life, where they are, what they're doing, uh, because they want to stay connected to one another, right? And so when those people get together in Brooklyn, or they get together in Atlanta, or they get together in North Carolina, it's the same connection. These people still know each other. These are still now blurred friends, nerd friends, cosplay friends, whatever, who are now part of each other's community and they're going to gather and they're going to clump. And when I go to these conventions and I look from an outside perspective, I'm like, Hey, look at these eight people over here. 
and look at those 12 people over there or look at you know this this group that is taking over the party uh on friday night and all that sort of stuff you're starting to see that happen so we're going to get ahead of that and try to be more articulated with it and bring some type of uh a blurred presence to other conventions you know and and it could be the BlurredCon branded presence you know or it could just be you know us saying hey you know BlurredCon is going to be at anime nyc come on out you know we're we're taking i'll tell you another thing we do we're just i'm taking a bus i'm going to get on a mega bus and i'm going to go to new york for anime nyc in november so if you look on my social media you know what i'm doing i'm letting everybody know what bus i'm going to be on just that simple i'm going to be on a mega Very bus cool. on thursday going to anime nyc if you're in dc and you're going to anime nyc and you haven't figured out how you're going to get there yet go ahead pick up forty dollars Get on the mega bus. This is the bus I'm going to be on. How about 10, 12, 13 of us just end up on the same bus for five hours going to our favorite con? Why not? It's no commitment. We're all going anyway. Why go on five different buses and two cars? Why not just all this is take over one bus and have that fellowship going and coming and, you know, just kind of share that space? It can be just that simple. So I have an idea for you. Oh, go ahead. Finish up. I do have an idea for you. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Let's go. Let's, you can. Yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> well, I was thinking, you know, if you put away a little money and you get yourself a used bus, you make the blurred bus, and you could take out the seats in the back, put in counters, put in uh, computers, whatever you think would would suit you. Paint the bus up as the blurred con bus. And then people are paying for gas to go to, you know, New York. And you get to go from school to school to school to school with the blurred bus. And everybody's going to know who you are, what you do, and be excited when they see you rolling down the street. Well, you're, look, you're, you're trying to put me on my own Virgin Airlines, right, where I got this thing on the side of the bus with the blurred con. <laughs> yeah, we, well, I, I mean, I, I think that's a bad idea. I just... Uh, it will. It's definitely something for the long future. You know, it's a lot of logistics and knowing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just thinking it would be cool. You know, because because you're branded already. You're branded as a convention. You want to bring your branded ideas to other conventions. And plus, I think it's so cool that you want to do all that community outreach with kids. Um, I I did it on a small scale, just one class of. Uh, if, if these were the what are they oh these were the lego competitors they make the lego robots and mm-hmm. you know that Perfect. that competition mm-hmm. and what i did was i went in for a month um two days a week and taught them how to code for android devices so they could do their own games and things like that and at first, they, they thought, well, this is just like doing the Lego thing. What can you do with this? I said, well, you know, if you make a really good game, you could put it in the uh, Play Store and make, uh, you know, uh, some money. Um, Angry Birds is worth $2 billion right now. What do you think of that? And, boy, did their eyes get big and light up. And it was equal number of girls and boys. That was also something that I was really, really happy to see. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the nerd space is not... Um, you know, so so gender focused anymore. Mm, 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 mm. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, the transportation piece is necessary. You can take them to colleges. You can take them to special events. You know, you can just take them for a trip around the block if you want. But getting them together is really the key. You know, just getting yeah. people together and putting them in a space where they get to come out of their shell uh, and where they get to communicate and connect, you know. And I think that's the, that is the hardest thing. I think for some of these nerds, because I mean, think about it, we all, you know, to a certain degree, we, we're on some kind of a spectrum. You know, there's something about us in our DNA level that makes us weird. You know, we're, we're a little awkward, we're a little shy, you know, social interactions are not always our, our first, uh, you know, instinct. Uh, and sometimes to bring us out of our shell, you know, we have to be around like-minded individuals. You know, it's funny, you know, if, if you see somebody and they say, oh, that person doesn't know how to communicate or that person doesn't know how to talk to people. I said, maybe he's not been around anybody who, you know, is wanting to talk about the things he wants to talk about. So maybe right. we, put, uh, we put people in the same room with people who are have shared interests and shared backgrounds, shared, you know, uh, who are part of the nerd tribe and then let them build the community that way because it doesn't always happen organically. So, you know, there's some, there's some nerds somewhere, uh, out here in Virginia or Maryland, who's the only nerd in their school or the only nerd in their house. Uh, and they may think that they're the only nerd on the planet. And, you know, it, it may be till college or their first job or first time living outside of their area before they meet somebody else who is, you know, on that same nerd wavelength. And uh, sure. the more of us, the more of us that we can expose to more of us, the more we can do with that time that we spend together. Uh, and maximizing that, I think, is what the magic of conventions is all about. I think it's why, you know, we enjoy that space so much. Because it's funny, you know, when you see a cosplayer, you see somebody, you know, just head to toe in their nerd gear, uh, you know, they may wear a suit to work every day. You know, they may, <laughs> yeah. they, may, they may work in an environment where there's only six people that they see all day every day. And you say, oh, are you cosplaying now? Or are you, are you, this is a chance for you to get out of your your uh, out of your own skin they'll be like no actually this is the real me the cosplay the the the, the mask that i wear actually happens when i go to work on monday you know because <laughs> that's the guy i gotta bottle up and act like i'm somebody else in order to function in a corporate space or uh, a general workspace uh, it's when i come out to convention space that i get to be myself and talk like i want to talk and make all my little weird references and people get it uh because the world is not a nerd yet the world is not a nerd yet. It's getting, it's trying to get there. It's, re, it's more respective of nerd stuff, but it's not there yet. You know, I still have to yeah. stop my, someone starts talking about Infinity War. Or somebody wants to try to break down the science of Iron Man's, you know, arc reactor. Or they want to talk about, you know, Asgard and Yuru Metal and, uh, and Mjolnir. And they want to talk about, you know, the history of anime or they want to talk about comic books. All the, I got to remember, I'm only talking to muggles. This is a muggle here. I, I can't sub-reference, but so much before I lose them. <laughs> so I'm going to try and float right here on the surface and keep my answer short. But it's only in the nerd space where I can just really get granular and we can just go as deep as we want to go and just, you know, just have a blast. I, I like, you know, I, I do like the concept of putting co conventions together because, like you said, it brings like-minded people together who up until, you know, a generation ago were, were marginalized, they were ostracized, they were bullied, 
Um, so that you know that in itself is it it opens up the world to people who were either excluded or uh, belittled for having the interests that they have. You know, um, look how people looked at science fiction you know, fans way back when and, you know, it took movies like uh Forbidden Planet and things like that which which had great stories, they have you know, had cool action. People people really got into it. And I, I like I like the whole idea of providing good safe space for, for people of all ages to indulge their whims. Um if if you had to talk about it and and we really should for you as a you know as someone who who's an organizer and you run this um this this convention what do you see as as the worst part or a part that really you would like to see have a little more i mean what was the worst part of having to put all this together because i think that's useful for people to see what goes on behind the scenes well, um, the thing that you wish for the most is going to would be if it happens the hardest thing for a convention to process. And let me explain. Uh, we were blessed to have a a people responded to BlurredCon by projecting onto us their own dreams and their own vision of what BlurredCon can be. There, there's never really been a convention quite like BlurredCon. Yes, there's a lot of you know, black conventions and black creative spaces and things like that. Uh, but the the convention with the inclusivity and, you know, there's so many moving parts that with a convention like ours not yet having happened, you know, people were only able to project onto that, that cloud what it is they thought we would be. Now, from a marketing perspective, sure. that's, one. That's, that's gold for marketing. Like if Coca-Cola can put a commercial up that makes people dream of Coca-Cola and what Coca-Cola tastes like, if they, whether they taste it or not, then that's that's a marketing marketing goal. However, when your convention actually happens and it's tangible and it's real, that means that there's going to be people out there who wish that it was something that it did not end up manifesting to be. And if they don't like that, it's it's going to be hard for them to digest it. And uh, as a convention runner, you have got to accept that there is a certain space, there's a certain length that you can't go to control. You can't micromanage your convention into manifestation. BlurredCon is largely the product of what people bring to it. I bring the video games, I book the guests, you know, uh, the cosplay guests, uh, the venue, the dates, uh, the signage, uh, you know, everything else. And then I'm, I might be missing a few, but everything else is a response from the community, from the volunteers to the attendees, from the panels to, you know, who's playing in the video game tournaments to who's entering the cosplay contest to who's DJing. And, 99% of that is what the community has done with the space that we have created. And, and it can be very difficult for, you know, a convention to step beyond your original vision, to be more or less than you thought it would be. And uh, BlurredCon, when it became real, 
it was it was a process. There were people who had to process what they had seen. There were people who came to BlurredCon and they saw it and they they enjoyed it. You saw them enjoy it, but they still it took a while for them to digest what BlurredCon was. There's people. It took them two times, year one and year two, before they go, oh, I get it. You know, it's like watching an interpretive dance. You know, like the first time you see it, you don't even really see it. And the second time, <laughs> but you don't experience it. And then the third time, you're like, oh, that's what was going on, you know? So for a convention runner, you know, it's very, very difficult because I'm a control freak. You know, I've, if I could control every molecule that flies around, you know, <laughs> during three days of BlurredCon, I would have that spreadsheet that controls the molecules, trying to make sure, you know, everything is as I envisioned it. But you have to let go and you have to let it grow organically. You, you have to, you can steer it. You know, I mean, those horses are still pulling the cart, but you, you know, you're not riding every individual horse. You know, you, you have to say the community is going to inject into this convention what it wants mm -hmm. to manifest. And it is your job to to lay out the foundation, to lay out the boundaries, point the convention in the right direction and let it run for three days, right? And um, I've seen convention runners who, who are have a harder time with that <laughs> than others. And it can be very yeah. stressful. Uh, and, it, and if you are a budding con runner, and trust me, there are a lot of convention runners that are trying to put on big events, small events all over the country. I get calls from about half of them. Uh, who are looking for advice, uh, who are looking for guidance, and I'm happy to give it. Uh, but I say, hey, listen, you know, you're you're. It's like letting the it's like letting the evil Knievel go off the ramp. You know, once he gets off the edge of that ramp, that's God. <laughs> that's the that's the wind. That's the everything else. But you can't control anything else after that. Just just make sure you can pull your parachute when you get to the end of the of the run. And, uh, well, not only that, but if something goes wrong, you can't pull it back. Oh, you no. have to ride it out. Oh, you no. have you to ride it out. It's so funny you say that because, you know, sometimes the things that go, and I'm using air quotes you can't see, wrong, end up being things that, that people remember as a positive. You know, uh, I'll give you a prime example. Just this past year. Now, I'm, I am, I'm the curmudgeon who wants to control everything and and you know, I said, the, I'm 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 serious. I'm like your uncle. I set the I set the the, the, the thermostat in the, in the living room, and don't nobody touch it. I don't care how hot it gets. I don't care how cold it gets. I set it at that to let it stay. So I had this DJ booth uh, sitting, I, and it was my vision. This was my dream of having a circle of video games with a with a stand. And you probably saw some pictures of it in our video. Uh, with a trust system of lights and a DJ booth in there. And the DJ is playing music while people are gaming in the middle of the atrium. And it's like this little, you know, mothership from, you know, Parliament Funkadelic has landed in the middle of the atrium and there's music coming out and people are dancing. So I set the volume at a certain stage, you know, because I know that we don't have the entire hotel and we don't want to blow everybody's eardrums out. And some DJ got a hold of the system and hooked up into it. And bad, he turned that music up. And when I say up, I'm talking. <laughs> I mean, like neighbors calling the cops type up. And I was doing an interview in the press room, and all of a sudden I hear this boom, and just boom, boom, boom. You know, just like just 
thunderous noise. And I thought somebody had started doing a party in the roof below us. I didn't know it was down in the middle of the atrium. And when I got done with the interview, I come out and the entire atrium is just completely just, it's just bedlam. I mean, people are dancing and cheering and party walking and soul train lining and, you know, electric sliding and, and cha-cha sliding and bus stopping and Cupid shuffling. I mean, they were turned all the way up. And I panicked, like, oh, my God, this is so loud. And all the people who are trying to work in the Hyatt are going to complain. And, you know, there's probably some one guest, the one person staying in this hotel that's not with BlurCon is this poor, you know, uh, family from Topeka, Kansas that came to see the monuments. They're probably calling, you know, the, the, the front desk. <laughs> I'll pull the plug. Or worse yet, the police, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, not the police. You know, we are an enclosed venue. If it had been on the roof or something like that, we might have had one. All right, guys, cut it down. But, you know, it was way louder than the, the management had told me that they would have preferred the out space, outdoor space, you know, in the atrium to be. Uh, sure, sure. Uh, I didn't run down there and kick over the speakers or anything like that. You know, I, I saw the, the time that people were having as I looked over the, the balcony. And I said, this is organic. This is the magic. This is a memory that people are going to take with them to Chicago, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Florida, California. This is the moment that everybody is going to remember. And if I have to risk losing the Hyatt, if I have to risk, you know, pissing off the, the family from Topeka, Kansas, if I have to risk, you know, some employee being mad that it was just too loud for them to hear the phone when and reception because of this music, I said, I'm gonna ride this all the way out. Because this is this is the 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 convention having its own organic moment. And I had to stop sure. myself down and go, turn this down, are you crazy? You're gonna kill us all, you know, that kind of thing. And sure enough, when you look on the video, it's in there, right? When you hear people talk about the convention, they said I was almost in tears because I was in the middle of all of this blackness and I was playing video games and I was dancing and I and people were pop locking and cosplaying and and it was just <laughs> so much that I'd never seen I'd never experienced before thank you BlurCon thank you BlurCon and I'm like I'm so glad I didn't kick over the table because then the story would have been it was great until that that, that guy came and <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and shut it all down yeah right yeah, yeah. I don't want to be the guy was that from uh, a house party you know why don't you play some Al Green? None of that public enemy. You know, I don't want to be that guy. You know? Bob Witherspoon. Well, the cool, yeah, the cool part about that was, you know, even as a control freak, I'm, you know, you lost your mind for a second, but yet you you still saw what was happening, and uh, I mean, you excuse me, and you let it go, and 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 look at what happened. I mean, that's pretty cool. And and so what did you, Mr. Control Freak, what did you learn from that? <laughs> well, uh, I've learned that BlurredCon is not mine. Uh, the BlurredCon at this point belongs to the community. And everything right. that I do and everything that my team does uh, has to keep that in mind. Now, yes, you know, it's like having a teenager in your house. Uh, you know, you, you have to put kind of some limits on what's going on. You know, you don't want them to you know, hurt themselves or burn the building down. But... You know, we have to bear in mind that the community 
has never come together in an environment like this or has never come together in this way. And we are, we now have a mantle, we have a responsibility to create the space and then give them the freedom to do with that space what they wish, right? Sure. Um, and, and most importantly, uh, to make a very, very, very conscious effort uh, to put as much of a black nerd topspin on the geek ball that we pitch. Uh, you know, right. I'm constantly in conversations with my team and with, with other people trying to brainstorm about how do we, I mean, for lack of a better term, how do we blacken up this nerd space? Because if, if we're going to be blurred con and true to our brand, you know, what is, what is it that we can do with this traditional, you know, nerd experience, this traditional convention experience that people love? We love even non-nerd, even non-blurred spaces. We love it. Black nerds go to white nerd spaces and have a ball all the time, right? We love video games. And hopefully know. vice versa. Now, I mean, do you oh, well, see? Absolutely. absolutely. And oh, good, so good, good, good. How do, we, how do we add? How do we add something to this space that that further identifies that that blackness of it? So we had barber. We had a barbershop, you know, uh, which I'd never heard of happening at a convention before, and I thought, well, well, wow, you know, let's see if this works. Uh, it was just a, it was an afterthought. It was like maybe a month and a half before the con where the idea came up. Uh, but we were able to find some barbers who were willing to work on a weekend instead of being at a shop making money. And they decided to make money at BlurCon. And they were busy the whole weekend. And they made money. And it was like this revolutionary thing that we're going to capitalize on. And it's completely original. It's completely new. It's never been done. And it's the black, It's like probably the blackest thing that anyone has ever seen at a con. <laughs> <You know? laughs> People getting fades. <laughs> you know, in the Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, I've I've never you know I've uh, I've seen makeup. You know they've done makeup. They've done. That's it. Makeup. Yeah, makeup or you know helping out with you know maybe some costume design. But but no, I have not seen the barbershop in the middle of a convention. Oh, before we get too much further, and I, we should have probably should have done it at the beginning, but this is good because people are probably more people are tuned in. Um, let people know online where they can find um, uh, the, the uh, website for the convention and also uh, if the videos that you mentioned are someplace else, where can people check those out too? Oh, yes. Uh, www.blurredcon.com. That's B-L-E-R-D-C-O-N.com is our website. Uh, if you put BlurredCon into the, uh, the search engine on Facebook, you're going to get the event, you're going to get the Facebook group, you're going to get the Facebook uh, community page. So there's a lot of content there. Uh, we're on Twitter under BlurredCon DC and on Instagram at BlurredCon. Now, if you go to YouTube <clears throat> and type in BlurredCon, you'll get all of our videos. Uh, Michael Moore did the last two videos, and I mean that that dude, man, knows he's like the Steven Spielberg of convention videos, man. He knows how to capture the heart of the convention, and through a lot of the cosplay that he shoots, you see every aspect of the con. So everything that I've been talking about for the convention has got a scene in this year's video, 
and you'll see it. Last year's video was just a tear jerking, just an emotional roller coaster. It was just amazing, and it's been uh, you know viewed billions of times. Uh, and there's even one from year one that uh, we did that uh, would really tell you what year one looked like, year two, and year three. So that's where we are on social media. Wow, man. I'm going to have to find out how you can, you know, how a Japanese real brother could get invited to something like that. We'll talk later. Um, <laughs> and, and, and then the other part that I like um, is, you know, you, when you build that sense of community, you also have people coming back year after year, and it's like a, almost like a family reunion, isn't it? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, year two, we have, we have a theme every year. Year two, the theme was the reunion. So okay. <laughs> year one, people kept describing the atmosphere as a family reunion, even amongst people that they were meeting for the first time. And so the theme for year two was the reunion. <clears throat> said, oh, okay, this is, uh, this, is, this is something we're really, we can really run with. Uh, so year two was, uh, was a really special year for us. And what we're hoping to do is have a theme like that every year. Uh, and uh, this year coming up in 2020 is Chocolate City, uh, where we'll be celebrating all the things that make this Chocolate City, the DC metro area, and other chocolate cities, chocolate cities. Uh, and we'll do so in a blurred way and in a nerdy way and, uh, and uh, hope to do something original with that too. Man. I, you know, I'm thinking about this. this. This does sound like something I would like to attend. Um, that the way you describe it. So I think you're doing a great job of marketing, not necessarily trying to pimp people out to come, but just talking about what it is, what the experience is like, and what has happened in the past. I think is a very, very effective way to get people interested in coming out there. So I, I. I really, really hope you get bigger and bigger and bigger the way you're talking about. And if, if in maybe not five years, but like maybe in 10 years, if you've got that 80,000, you know, number of attendees and you're spread out over five hotels, I'm going to remember the fact that you mentioned that this is exactly what you were going to try to do, you know, here in 2019, which I think is pretty cool. Um, let me ask you this. What do you do for the rest of the year? Is a lot of it still, you know, cycling to put on the following years, the next year's convention, or do you have some spare time? What do you do in your spare time? Um, you know, what, how do you, as a blurred, you know, kind of unwind from having to put together and, and make the, uh, make the uh, convention go? Uh, as far as spare time goes and unwinding, I will let you know when I do it. Uh, I haven't really, ah, okay. <laughs> I haven't really had a, uh, any real down, down time since 2015. Uh, okay. Uh, it's because the convention is a year round, you're building it year round. I mean, from the guest bookings, you know, you gotta, you gotta start reaching out to agents. You gotta start. Uh, looking at budgets, uh, you know, you have the, there's 17 different things going on at any given time. Uh, you got to stay ahead of the curve in uh, reserving your venue, you know, three, four, five years in advance uh, so that the mummers don't come in and, and buy out your hotel and then you're, you're out of your, your pocket. 
Uh, right. Know, you, you have a team that is working year round. So, you know, you, I give them about a month, month and a half if I can uh, after BlurredCon to try and have them not hear my voice for a while just to kind of reset uh, and recharge and um, just to be healthy. It's health, mental health, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but then we got to kick right back in, you know, the volunteers, you know, have to be re-recruited. The, uh, you know, the, the, you know, the layout has to be rewritten, you know, once we open the, the applications for the vendor hall and for the panel submissions, that process of vetting and reviewing and accepting and communicating back and forth, uh, with vendors and panelists and stuff, that's going to be an ongoing thing up to like the day after the con <laughs> 2020. Uh, so there's so many things that are constantly in motion for a convention if it's done right. I mean, this is, um, you know, this is what, what fills me with dread. Uh, sometimes when I hear people speak about a convention that they might want to do that, you know, is six months out from when they start, I'm kind of like, Oh my God, like, <laughs> like, I was two years before year one. Like you're talking about, Hey, I'm thinking about doing something, you know, in next, next, uh, next May. What do you think? I'm like, if it's anything bigger than a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party, no, <laughs> it's, don't do it. Save your own life, you know. Uh, so yeah, it is a year-round thing. Uh, there's always some churn. There's always some shuffle. You know, we're all we're all volunteers. Uh, you know, so we're you know people have lives. You know, people have kids. People get married. People move. They get new jobs. Some people they just burn out. You know, they're just like, hey, we need, I need a break. You know, I'm gonna take a break from comms for like a year, and I'll call me after 2020 because I just I just gotta handle my mental health or just get my life together or whatever. And we just have to be ready for that. Um, and so yeah, it's a it's a year round thing uh, for us and planning, uh, but we're also year round promotion. You know, we we go to other conventions to promote our convention. You know, so we'll have sure. a table at Otacon, which is usually about two and a half weeks after BlurredCon, and we'll have a table at DragonCon uh, when the Sheraton's not, <laughs> uh, you know, have Legionnaire's disease flying around or something like that, you know, we'll usually be in there. Uh, we'll be at the cons in the fall. We're gonna be, we've already been at like four cons with our promo table, handing out flyers, talking to people. That's a constant thing. You have to be out there interacting with the community, expanding the community, building it, uh, to kind of keep that energy going. We might get to a place where it's not as necessary, uh, but right. for now, you know, I, we, we are going to continue to do it because, you know, we, we, it's a community. People will miss us and ask us why we weren't yeah. there. <laughs> and, and let us know, what's the date next year for the 2020 Blurred Con? Yes, uh, it is uh, July 17th through 19th in 2020 it's at the hyatt crystal city in arlington virginia uh again it's round the clock we turn the lights on and open the doors at noon on friday and we don't turn off until three in the afternoon on sunday so if you need five hour energy if you need some ginseng and some some jasmine root whatever it is you need to keep it going you don't want to miss a thing uh the guest list obviously we got some i mean some really really amazing guests in the queue. Again, there's so much, this is actually one of the harder things in my job. As con runner, I, there's so many things I just want to blurt out that we're going to do from year to year that until it's signed, until everyone is confirmed, 
until <laughs> the last fragment or, or facet of it falls into place. I can't say anything because if it falls sure. through, yeah. But there's always some really, really cool stuff in the lineup in the queue for, for the following year. We always want to do something a little different. You know, we want to, we want to bottle up that magic that people felt, you know, whatever that formula is, and we always have an idea of what that core element or set of elements are, and we want to bottle those up, but we also want to give them something new. You know, the people who came last year should not have the exact same experience next year that they had last year, and, and the same for the next year, the next year, next year. So how do we keep it fresh? How do we keep it new? Is always on the forefront of our minds. Uh, yes, would it be easy just to replicate BlurCon, you know, every year exactly as it was before, just break out the old spreadsheets, move the names around and just put it out? Uh, yes. Uh, but, you know, conventions are, are, are like businesses. Well, they are businesses, but they're like business in that you're either growing or shrinking. There is nobody breaking even in business. You know what I mean? You know, you are either yeah. growing your population, you're either growing your community, or your community is retracting. You know, nobody's just leveled out. You know, you know, even if you have the same numbers from one year to the next, nobody is going to say in that second year, like, oh, you know, this was a fantastic year just like last year. They're gonna say something wasn't quite as good as I experienced last mm -hmm. year. Gotta grow. Mm -hmm. Gotta be new things, you gotta hit them with something out of left field, something's gotta be unexpected, and we gotta figure out what that is every year. You know, and uh, that's the fun of it. You know, just try to be creative and, and create the con we would like to attend, even though we don't technically get to attend the one we create. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Do you ever sneak, have you sneaked and brought your cosplay just in case, or do you not even think of that? Don't even think of it. I, d I do not get a spare second at BlurredCon. At all. Oh, at all. that's too bad. Yeah. Well, it's it's not because everything's going wrong. Even when things are going right, you know. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean it like no, that. I'm, I was I'm, thinking like in terms of you wear, you know, like, okay, you put your Deadpool costume on and people yeah. don't know it's you and you get to walk around and interact with people and they don't know it's you, the guy. Oh, you know what I mean? Oh, no way. <laughs> because I need to, I do need to be no, I need to be seen because if something's wrong or if something does happen, uh, you know, that, you know, I, if I need people to know where I am and, and what I'm doing. Uh, and if That's I'm true dedication. In, yeah. If I'm ever in a position where, how should I word this? If I'm ever in a position where I am not, the, if, I, if everything ever dies down, you know, to the point where I could just sit down and kind of tuck away. I'm usually trying sure. to steal as sleep as I can. Uh, okay. You know, so, yeah, I, I, we, I mean, I'm not saying like in the future, like the, the, the convention and the, and the infrastructure, you know, might become so routine that I might be able to pull that little, you know, magic trick and throw on a, a, a cosplay and run around. Uh, but it's not even something I can, I even think, it doesn't even occur to me to try that uh, because I'm always getting snatched here and there for stuff that needs needs doing uh, or people I need that need to talk with me uh, or, you know, people I promised an interview to that, that are waiting and I feel bad because I, I, I didn't, something happened and I didn't meet when I was supposed to meet him. Uh, so, yeah, I, 
I do not personally plan to actually enjoy my con. If I enjoy my own convention to a certain extent, I feel as if I'm not I'm not doing I'm not driving anymore. You know what I mean? You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to. If I'm having too much fun, then that means somebody else is doing the work I'm supposed to be doing or the work that I'm supposed to be doing isn't getting done or, you know, this yeah, I'm I'm not there yet. Uh, so we'll if I do, you'll be the first one I call and let you know I did it. But so far, it's not even <laughs> it's not even at the forefront of my mind. Well, you know, I I was just curious because I I do understand the dedication and I do understand, you know, that that it it is important that you know even though a lot of things do happen organically, ultimately, you know, you have to make sure that the environment is is conducive to all, everybody there having a good time, getting something out of it, and, and enjoying it to the extent that they will come back, you know? So it, it's, a, it's a big responsibility what you do, and, and I understand, you know, not being able to, to slip away and enjoy, but, you know, who knows? Who knows what may happen in the future? Um, you know, do you get to cosplay at, the, uh, at other conventions? Um, I have. I usually do it, if I do it, it'll be at a smaller convention where I'm less likely to run into some folks that I might, that I might need to talk to or, or situation that I might have to switch into uh, cosplay, I mean, a con runner mode. Uh, right. But, yeah, it'd be like a, a smaller convention where I would do it. Not, I, like, I would never do it at like MAGFest or KatsuCon or Otakon or... Uh, or anything like that, because it's just, you know, it's too much networking, there's too many people need to talk to me as the blurred con, con runner, and that's what happens uh, whenever I think about it. By the time I, that thought even gets to the front of my lobe, someone's in my face talking about, oh, Hilton, let me tell you, <laughs> got to talk about this thing, like, oh, okay. Uh, but if well, you know, I'm thinking about, oh, go ahead, you know go what, ahead. You know what the visual is? Uh, it is, it is, it is uh, Robert De Niro in Casino. You know, you're standing on the highest perch you can find, looking out upon like everything that's going on. You got one or two people talking to you about what's happening. Okay, you know, is how did the is is the act go on stage? How did the interview go? You know, what's that line looking like? Are all the video games running? How's the power? You know, you're doing that mode. Are the high are the high rollers happy? You know, there's an endless list. Yeah. Got to make got to make some rounds and you know hey so and so was looking for you say so ain't seen you all day like okay it's a sponsor sponsor should probably see me at one point and make sure they're okay you know that kind of stuff yeah wow well I uh, I, I can't promise that I'll be there but I I am disposed to actually going to that convention. Um, you know, there's three I'd like to go to now next year. I'd like to go, well, I, I go to uh, Boscone and then um, then maybe hit where hit up where you are. And, and if I can wrangle another uh, invitation to Dragon Con, I'll head on down there. But, uh, you know, I really like the convention experience for all of the reasons that you talked about and then all of the reasons for me as a, as a writer as someone who does this show and, and some of the other things I do. Um, it's, it's an environment and it's an event that you can't get 
any of the same kinds of experiences any, any other way. So um, that's the other thing that people should know about these conventions. It's not, it's not just looking at stuff. You know, you can, I mean, think about the organic, you know, when you talked about the whole place dancing, oh, by the way, did the hotel get mad at you for turning up the music? You know, nobody said anything, but I'm sure somebody said something. Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I'm sure there was somebody who was kind of like, oh, my gosh, it's so loud. Because, again, you know, the way, if you see the Hyatt Crystal City, the way it's laid out, it's just like a big, you know, just this big atrium with, you know, you know, tears all the way around it. And yeah, so sure. Echoes just all the way up and just blows up the, the elevator shafts. And that's why we want to buy out the whole hotel so when, nobody will be able to complain because they're all blurred cut people. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you when you're going to hear about it from the hotel. When you start talking about, you know, uh, probably 2000 or, or 20, 2021 or whatever, you, you know, somebody probably snidely will say, well, you're not going to have that music thing like you had in 2019, are you, or whatever. Um, but it, it still, it sounds like the hotel is very cooperative. You've got a great relationship. Um, oh, I, I kind of, I am looking forward to coming there. Oh, you're welcome, man. We'd love to see you. Come on through. Yeah, and, you know, if maybe I could do something, that'd be good, too. Well, we'll talk anyway, later. We'll talk <laughs> later. Um, anyway, we're, we're down to the last few minutes of the show. Um, I want to thank you. For those of you who, who didn't pay attention, uh, this is Hilton George. He's the uh, co-founder, no, the founder and CEO of BlurredCon. And you can find out more information about the convention at www.blurredcon, B-L-E-R-D-C-O-N.com. And uh, for those of you who are into social media, if you put a search in in uh, Facebook for BlurredCon, you get the the event page, uh, some and some other cool stuff. Did I miss anything? Not a thing. All right, and uh, uh, hang on a second. Um, let's see. Jarvis hasn't been well. We haven't uh, we haven't had him on for a while. I'll try to get him on ne in the next few weeks, so he could tell us about some of the cool things that are going on. For those of you who pay attention, you'll see that there was an upgrade to BlackScienceFictionSociety.com, the largest repository of uh, fantasy, horror, and science fiction content, art, and what have you, uh, created by by blacks, and that's. That's significant because I think I think what Jarvis, we're in our eleventh year. You're in your eleventh year. Oh, there's a question in the in the in the chat room. What's the question? What's going on with the live with the lit with? I don't know what. Well, put the question in, and I'll I'll, I'll ask it or try to answer it. Um, for those of you who also are are into the things that BSFS are are, are is doing, um, Earth Squadron is moving right along. I was I, I was hoping to see a trailer soon. I'm not sure how that is. Again, that's why I want to get Jarvis back on on the air for a brief time so he could tell us uh, bring us up to date on some of the things that are going on. I'm actually going to have some announcements very, very soon. No, I'm not pregnant, and uh, so we can take that off the table. 
um, a lot of things are going on. This has been a pretty cool year. A lot of a lot of interesting things have gone on, and again, we try to bring you the best in uh, creatives and, and and people in the the blurred the black science fiction sphere, horror, fantasy, art, comics, what have you. So keep uh, keep tuning in, and we will try to keep bringing you great content. Um, Hilton, I want to thank you for being here, man. I hope you had a good time. Did, did, uh, was, was everything cool? Oh yeah. Everything's been a blast and I really appreciate the time and the interest and, uh, look forward to seeing you in person. Yeah, that's, you know, again, that's, that's the best part of me doing this job. Um, I met, oh, that's, that's funny. I met Jarvis for the first time face to face at Dragon Con last year. Um, I had been running around. Uh, let's see, Kim, uh, I was there at my booth last year. I was the artist giving away free art packages to the kids there. The creator of uh, the BlurredCon, are you happy that you created a space for black indie creators like me? Hmm, I would think, you know, from what you've said, you're pretty you're pretty satisfied with with how you've managed to carve out that niche. Um, well, I'll tell you, it's it is it has been an honor for me uh, to have the faith of so many of the black creatives who did come out. Uh, there's still more out there that we're recruiting. You know, the the stuff that we are able to curate. You know, the the vendors and the artists who have either never done a convention before or had never done BlurredCon before, it is a push. You know, we do have to reach out and we do have to recruit uh, because, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're still kind of new. I mean, you know, year three is not old for a convention and there's a lot of folks who make a living off of their, their creation and, you know, picking the wrong con or a con that's not a right fit for whatever reason can be detrimental to their business. So, Getting getting that first time to get that 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 black creative out is 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 still a work in progress. But we want more, and we're just you know happy to see people make table and make connections and build the community. And we're going to continue to grow that sector as far and as as as, as strong as we can. Yeah. Well, we will. You know, over the years, you know, have you back so that you could tell folks uh, how how the progress or how the convention is progressing, growing, whatever setbacks, uh, really cool things that happen like, uh, you know, the dance party in the atrium. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. And, and you know, I too, I, I do look forward to, uh, to checking it out because it sounds like a fun time. And if, oh, if nothing is- else, it should, it, it should be blast. that. What? I'm sorry? Oh, I said it is exactly that. It is a blast. And if it's not fun, then we're doing it wrong. So uh, we're we're focused <laughs> on that and making sure it's a blast. Everybody just comes in and has a really good time. I'm glad to hear it. All right, uh, I'm going to close out the show. Can you hang on the line for a minute or so? Oh yeah. Okay. All right. On behalf of uh, Jarvis Sheffield, Black Science Fiction Society. dot com. Myself, William Hayashi, I don't even know if I mentioned my name at the beginning, but pretty much everybody knows me. Um, I don't know anybody, any other Japanese Negroes in the black science fiction sphere, so 
I think I've got that covered. But anyway, I want to thank everybody. Oh, let's see, what do we got here? I noticed that a lot of Comic-Cons like to use black indies when they start off in their spaces, but when they grow, they toss us aside and make it hard for us to get in. Well, we're going to have to start smacking some folks around because that's just not right that when when you you know you start a niche convention and then you grow and you forget the people who got you you know where you are that's that's just wrong on all kinds of levels um anyway i want to thank i want to thank everybody for tuning in live i want to thank you uh thank the people who also pick this up as a podcast and again <clears throat> We will try to bring you a, you know, uh, an outstanding guest every Friday. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, you know, look for some more exciting things that will be in our sphere in the future. So on behalf of uh, Jarvis and myself, and I want to thank you, Hilton, again, I'm going to wish everybody a great weekend ahead. I hope the weather, wherever you are, is spectacular because we're not going to have too many more of these before the winter comes. Everybody take care and have a good night. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.